Everybody and welcome to Tempcast. Joining me this week are Eric. Hey, what's going on? And Jordan. Hey, what's going on? All right, so right off the bat, I need to acknowledge that uh, I'm not the regular host of this show. Our intrepid leader, Alan John, was not able to join us this week, and I need to apologize immediately just because, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he does all the editing and mixing and mastering and all that on the show and makes us sound a lot more professional than we really are. <laughs> so the production quality is not really going to be up to snuff this week, and I'm sorry for that, but uh, we really wanted to get something out anyway. Mainly because uh, I'm still deep in lockdown, and the best chance I have at conversation is telling people they need to talk to me for an hour a week for work. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of people being trapped inside and not being able to see their loved ones, uh, Cyberpunk got delayed another three weeks. Yay! Which means another three weeks of crunch for uh, all the developers on that. I think... I think basically what happened was one dude finished his work and went outside and saw his shadow, and that meant another three weeks of crunch for the rest of the studio. <laughs> CD Projekt Reg just works on Groundhog Day logic now, but not the movie, <laughs> the actual holiday. Yeah, I assumed they were all Groundhogs. It might be Groundhog Day logic. It feels like they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. This is the third delay this game has had this year. Yeah, so right off the bat, Eric, I know in the past you've been kind of vocal about how you feel about like crunch and stuff. What what are your thoughts that now there's more crunch added onto this? Uh, you know, it's like it's one of those things where I don't mind if you delay a game, but the fact that they delay it and they're still doing the crunch, that's the obnoxious part to me. Is It's like you guys... You're hurting the people who are making this game. I mean, I'm sure they're not being adequately paid for the time that they're putting into this, and you're still delaying it. Just keep delaying it, or do the crunch and get it out of the way. Don't do both. You're just hurting everybody now. That's what I think about it. So a lot of people will argue about uh, how bad crunch is and whether, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, well, I work really long weeks and such and such. And uh, I mean, for one thing, I would say that just because a lot of people work crappy hours and crappy jobs doesn't mean that you shouldn't be vocal about it like but just for people that aren't aware of some of the specifics on this uh there are devs reporting that they're working 100 hour weeks on cyberpunk and have been for a little while so this is just extending that and a facial animator who worked on um the witcher 3 mentioned that she was uh paid 430 dollars a month while uh for working full-time on the witcher 3 in 2014 which is about minimum wage in poland uh it was less than her monthly rent. She was pretty much completely supported by her husband at that point. So, And granted, that was six years ago, but it's not, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of reason to think that CD Projekt Red is any different now than they were back then. Right. Well, I mean, we all know that success and more money just brings out the best in people. So if that's how they were before The Witcher 3, which was, I don't think you can really argue Witcher 3 has been CD Projekt Red's bi- biggest game up to this point. Uh, and best received game up to this point so clearly the success wouldn't go to their head and they would absolutely uh, turn that around and start treating people better <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I mean so the uh, ceo recently passed uh, a billion dollars in his own personal wealth and i think that's usually the point in people's lives where they become very magnanimous and uh, generous and you know they start giving it all away and th- looking out for the little guy yeah i mean just look at jeff bezos yeah, of course. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. You know, for a while, Cyberpunk was kind of my most anticipated game. Uh, basically, since the first trailer with Keanu dropped, was that two E3s ago? I think so. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it was something like that. Two years yeah. ago, maybe. Oh, I guess because, you know, COVID kind of stopped E3 from happening. So, but... Um, oh no! I think it was nineteen. I think was it, was, it. I think it was. I. I, I don't know. Oh, but point is, um, basically, <laughs> since that trailer dropped, that was the first I'd really heard of it, and so I it was, was twenty nineteen. Yes, sorry. Thank you. Good fact checking. But yeah, I, I was. I've been anticipating it since then. I was really excited. It was one of the reasons I pushed to get a PC instead of getting a next gen console. And uh, honestly, now I just don't care. It's like, okay, it'll come out when it comes out. And, you know, insert a rushed game is never good, blah, 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 quote. But 
at, at some point you can just you can only have a game delayed so many times before people just start losing interest and that's where i'm at yeah we talked last week about early access and how you only get to launch once and i guess this is an interesting flip side of that where they want to make sure that first launch and that initial impression is really positive but it feels like we've been so close to release for so long now that like the delays and the negative PR surrounding the game are almost are kind of the first impression people are getting of it. <laughs> so close to release that they went gold and I think didn't they say that it's ready on PC? Yeah, so a lot of people weren't quite sure what going gold meant. Usually all it means is that the game is content complete, you can play it start to be start to end, there's nothing going to be added to the base game. Uh, and traditionally that's when they start printing the discs for physical release. So what happened here is they this additional three weeks of development was um, set aside for just squashing more bugs. And, well, they said, yeah, they said it's ready to play on PC, Stadia, and the backwards compatible versions on next-gen consoles. They say they're all fine and perfectly ready and could be released. But the way it plays on Xbox One and PS4 still needs a little bit more optimization. So that's what they're going to be doing over the next three weeks. And that's all going to be included in a day zero patch. So those discs that were produced are just going to sit in a warehouse for an extra three weeks. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm not an expert on game development, so I'm sorry if this just reeks of ignorance, but it's kind of interesting to me that the backwards compatible versions are playing well on the next-gen systems, but they're not playing well on the current-gen systems. That's just kind of interesting to me. It is a little funny. I mean, I, I guess it just has to do with the extra power in the console. I don't, yeah, I don't know enough right. about game development to speculate on whether that's unusual right. I'm, or not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not implying they're lying, not implying that that's sus. I just, it's interesting to me, like, oh yeah, this game plays fine on the newer version, but only if you're playing the old... On it play, the, This game plays fine on the new console, but only if you're playing the old version. But the old version doesn't play fine on the old console quite yet. That's just an interesting kind of juxtaposition to me. Uh, and it's worth pointing out that the true you know, PS5 and Series X slash S version uh, isn't expected until the first quarter of next year. Right. Uh, and that's going to be a free upgrade, so I, I, I don't know. I guess it's technically a new release, but they're not charging again. I don't know. But what's, what they say is playable on PS5 and Series X now is just the backwards compatible version. So there was a investor call with uh, the CEO and the CFO and I believe a marketing guy where they spoke to investors about this delay and they asked them if they considered staggering the releases and releasing PC and next-gen versions uh, on the intended release date and only delaying the uh, current-gen consoles because that, that happens quite a lot. There's a few games coming out that are like that. Uh, I'm sorry, I had the quote written here something. Uh, yeah, so they said... Uh, we have not considered splitting the release. We're big believers in serving everything at the same time. It's much more reasonable from the perspective of how the team operates, and it's also convenient from the marketing perspective. So the answer here is no. And... No, you know, he ended that quote mentioning that it's more convenient from the marketing perspective. I gotta believe that's what this is. Uh, is it's just easier to market that the game is available everywhere instead of, okay, what's our new release date for home consoles? What's the next-gen release date? Just just here. It's all out. If you have a PC, if you have a next-gen console that isn't made by Nintendo, you can play it. I think I agree with Jordan there because... So we're probably going to spend a lot of this episode uh, complaining about CD Projekt Red because clearly they're doing some shady stuff behind the scenes and most of the people who are going to be listening to this on GBA Temp are going to agree. But we also have to keep in mind that we're the very, very, very loud vocal minority and that the vast majority of people aren't going to care about any of this. And once Cyberpunk 2077 is out, uh, if it's a good game, people are going to love it. So they'll forget about the delays. Obviously, we're focusing on the inner workings of all of this. And like the investors are really mad about it. I think that uh, CD Projekt Red stock dropped like 25% in the past two months or something like that. So really? Yeah. Uh, just because of all of that this a good time to buy because it's probably going to jump right back up when that game exactly. releases <laughs> uh, there, there, theirs is a little difficult to buy but exactly oh because it's Polish yeah yeah, and um, I think for the most part if it's a good game I think people will eventually just forgive them and forget about all of this stuff I'm not saying we will I'm just saying that the general public I see they're marketing to 
them. It's easier to say, like Jordan said, you can purchase it for PC, next gen, this, this, this. Fuck you, Nintendo. But everybody else, right? <laughs> you can handle it, yeah. And you know, you so, brought up a good point, Eric. We're looking at this through the lens of uh, games journalism and people who write game reviews. So we're kind of looking into this a lot more than your average consumer is gonna look into it. My roommate likely doesn't know any of this is going on and probably doesn't care. He just cares about, oh, the game's out, maybe I'll play it now. And, you know, I mentioned that I'm at the point where I just kind of don't care as far as anticipation for the game. That doesn't mean I'm not going to play it. You know, I'm going to play it, and I'm probably going to like it, but I'm no longer actively anticipating it. I just, when it's out, it's going to be out. I'll follow it because I work for GBA Temp, but I'm not going to make an active effort to keep up with it otherwise. So kind of going back to what you said about how, um, Eric, what you said about how they don't really need to worry about the general public knowing about this and it won't necessarily affect sales. That actually also did kind of come up during the sales call as well, where someone asked them if they were considering uh, maybe selling it at a slight launch discount or something like that to incentivize sales to pull people back in who are annoyed by this news. And the response was, um, uh, they said, we have a premium title that's coveted by the players and we don't need to offer any extra incentives. I think everybody who is going to be working on selling this game in retail and on digital platforms is going to be happy with what the game can make once it starts selling. So basically, they're just saying, (laughs) no, like people want our game. They're just going to buy it anyway. We don't have to do anything like we can just do whatever we want and make all the money we were going to make anyway. (laughs) And boy, is it accurate boy is it right pete it doesn't matter how many times it gets delayed people are gonna buy it i just got done saying that i'm gonna buy it yeah and you're you're one of the vocal minorities so uh well that's (laughs) uh jordan you're like you're a huge fan of the witcher uh right yeah yeah i'm working my way through the books and i haven't played two or one but i've watched the show i've read both of the collection of short stories and I've played Witcher 3 a lot, so I, you could say I'm a big fan. I'm probably not an expert, but I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. What's your dog's name again? Uh, my dog's name is Cirilla. <laughs> <laughs> she is a year old, so it was absolutely an intentional naming choice. What does she feel about uh, Crunch Time? Uh, Cirilla, how do you feel about Crunch Time from CD Projekt Red? Well, Crunch Time sounds like dinner, and I'm sure she loves that because she's a Yeah, dog, she does so. love her dinner. She's currently eating a chew toy right now, so that's how she feels about crunch time. <laughs> so, speaking of crunch, there was another thing from the call uh, where the co-CEO, I believe, uh, had a quote. Basically, one of the investors had asked him, uh, is he worried about the negative PR surrounding all the crunch stories, and is this delay going to alleviate some of that crunch, and then they can use that to combat the negative PR, and he said, uh, regarding Crunch, actually, it's not that bad and never was. Of course, it's a story that has been picked up by the media, and some people have been crunching heavily, but a large part of the team is not crunching at all since they have finished their work. It's mostly about Q&A and engineers, programmers, but it's not that heavy, of course. It'll be extended a bit, but we have feedback from the team. Uh, They're happy about the extra three weeks, so we don't see any threats regarding Crunch, (laughs) which is kind of a weird statement, because he basically starts off by saying uh, that Crunch isn't happening that bad right now. In fact, it never was. It's only QA and engineers and programmers, which is kind of, it sounds like a lot of people. And then he says, also, they're not crunching, but they are happy about the extra three weeks. So even if they were crunching, you know, they'd be thrilled about it. They'd be so excited. That is legal speak right there. That is that is something that I would say if I was defending somebody. It's like, look, my client didn't murder that person. But if he did, it was in self-defense. I would like it on record that uh, Eric believes crunch time on a video. <laughs> <laughs> it That's is his informed legal opinion. Yeah. 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 But I, I like how he says, uh, listen, it's just Q&A and engineers and programmers and programmers <laughs> and it's like uh, yeah who else it's don't worry, the CEO. they got their 450 a month and they're done now yeah the ceo's not doing it yeah the facial animators they already they're already paid in fact we, we laid them off <laughs> <laughs> so for the record he later released an internal comp- uh, company memo apologizing for those comments uh that was leaked to jason schreier bloomberg who's been talking about this story a lot uh, I won't read that whole thing because it's a lot of corporate, just flowery nonsense where he talks about how he, you know, he didn't mean to do it, but he did anyway. And he feels bad. And oops, my bad. That was, I'm sorry. It's something that was absolutely drafted by their HR PR company and not himself. He just signed his name at the bottom. Likely. Yeah. In fact, there's a part that sounds especially just m- 
purple prosy and meaningless to me where he says, uh, it's the last bit of the statement before he says, uh, or memo, I guess. He says, uh, I always was and am still proud of the heart and soul you put into what you do every day. <laughs> yep, that's that's C-O-H-R talk. Yeah, it sounds like it was written by Hallmark. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and the fact that it was an internal memo that probably wasn't even supposed to leak, it's like, oh, guys, I didn't yeah. really mean it. Like, you guys are cool, you know? Uh, Steven, uh, do you think the delays are over? You think it's going to get delayed again? They talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's actually kind of funny reading the transcript. I read the, you can see it, it's on their website. Um, I'm sure it's not on the front page. It's somewhere on their website. I got linked to it through a Rock Paper Shotgun article, but... Um, if when you read the whole transcript, they a couple of investors they always phrase it differently, but like four, four different times he gets asked like, but it's seriously coming out the tenth, right? Like you're not going to delay again, and uh, you can see his confidence kind of wanes a little bit every time he answers it. So the first time he answers it, he says, uh, "Our confidence now is even greater than before. We have the game and can play it. I don't know how best to explain it, but the confidence is there. We're glad to have more time and believe this is the right move." And then a few questions later, someone's bring, another investor brings it up and he says, we feel, well, maybe not comfortable. And then it notes that he chuckles, uh, but confident uh, and are releasing on the 10th. Mm. So they're not comfortable, but they're, they're still confident. The confidence is greater than ever before, but they're not comfortable. And then the last time uh, someone asks him and he sort of, he says something similar. I, uh, I can try and find that call, but I don't have it here right now. And basically the guy is like, so what you're saying is it's definitely coming out the 10th. And he he responds, that's more or less what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's near the end of the call. <laughs> Which is not the most assuring statement. Now, I will say, um, reading through the call, I don't think they will delay again. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. But uh, something they talk about a lot are uh, whether or not the this will impact all of their revenue being moved into 2021 or how much of their revenue it'll move. And they spend a lot of time ensuring investors that while a decent part of it is going to move to 2021, they're still going to be making a lot of money. And so I don't think they would delay again because that would push pretty much all of their revenue into 2021. And I, not to mention, they also want the Christmas bump. And I imagine they probably want all of the you know, game of the year accolades they're going to get that they can throw on trailers and marketing and stuff like that. So, like, if I had to put money on it, I would say probably not they'll delay again. But, I mean, who knows? No one expected it to happen after they went gold. So even one of the investors points that out. He's like, it's really unusual for a game to go to get delayed after going gold. Like, what do you guys ask? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> now, are you confident enough to make a tweet saying that you <laughs> can confirm that this state is solid because if you tweeted that i would have no choice but to believe you especially if you did it twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's also what we're talking about they so uh on october 6th uh this the cyberpunk 2077 uh official twitter account tweeted out no more delays are happening in response to a uh a tweet asking them whether it would be delayed again, basically. And then the day before it got, got <laughs> delayed again, a guy tweeted them and said, hey, I'm going to book off oh. November 19th, <laughs> a week from work. I want to really dig into this game. Before I do so, please tell me, is it getting delayed again? And they responded, full confirmation. <laughs> and then the day after, <laughs> they tweeted, Whoops. oops, RB. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that guy can get his vacation time back. God, I hope yeah. so. Not to derail too much, but th that reminds me of a Reddit thread a couple years ago where the, it was an Ask Reddit that said, um, who is somebody who's still alive that you're surprised to hear is still alive? And the first comment said, oh, Harper Lee, I'm surprised she's still alive. And then she died like an hour later. <laughs> Harper Lee read that tweet or read that Reddit post and said, bet. <laughs> and he did an uh, uh, edit to it like. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, she read it and she went, whoa, I'm still alive. <laughs> the sheer shock of her life gave her a heart attack. <laughs> That's how you kill a mockingbird. Yo! <laughs> Yo! So, uh, obviously, a lot of people are going to point out that, like, the marketing guy, the dude that runs the 2077 Twitter, wouldn't know about these delays. It's not like he was intentionally lying to people. Right. Uh, what I don't think everyone, what I don't think any, everyone would expect is that everybody at CD Projekt Red learned of the delay at the same time we did, because they sent out a internal memo at the exact same time they sent out that public tweet. And that's how most people learned of the delay. Wow, that's some solid 
employment right there. <laughs> yeah, and like that's not necessarily like it doesn't change anything. Even uh, Jason Schreier, the guy I mentioned that's been banging on about this a lot, said that doesn't really change anything for these people. They were going to be crunching on the day zero patch and then the you know the patches for months to come. Uh, so that doesn't necessarily change anything for them. But it it again it just kind of shows how I don't know. It doesn't seem like the people steering the ship at CD Projekt right exactly know what they're doing. Right, but it definitely doesn't, which is astonishing because just how do you not? <laughs> with, a, with a budget this big, with a game this high profile, how do you not know what you're doing? Well, at least we can rest assured that CD Projekt Red is only delaying its game. It's not like it has any ability to delay any other games. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Like, how would that even happen, Steven? Oh, well, have you heard of uh, Path of Exile before? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> no, yeah, me neither, actually. <laughs> but I did read about them in the news today uh, because they had a big expansion set for release in December, and they postponed it specifically after the Cyberpunk delay because they don't want to compete with it. There is a quote here from Grinding Gear Game CEO Chris Wilson uh, we do not want to put our players in a position of having to choose between these two games, so we have decided to step out of the way and delay the release of Path of Exile 3.13 until January. I'm sure that's why, and it's not, we know we would lose. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wh well, one of them I've heard of, and one of them I have not heard of. So, that's, a, that's enough for me. But it's like, I don't know, this is making people so mad that the, the you know... Aren't the developers, they're getting, the developers are getting death threats, correct? Yes, so one of them, uh, I'm not, ooh, geez, I should have looked up a pronunciation guide for all these Polish names. That's why I've been avoiding names this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but a senior game designer at CD Projekt Red, uh, the lead designer of RPG Elements on Cyberpunk, has come out with a statement saying, I understand you're feeling angry, disappointed, and want to voice your opinion about the delay. However, sending death threats to the developers is absolutely unacceptable and just wrong. We are people just like you. I don't know that I have a lot to add to it besides that. I mean, yeah, the death threats should be pretty cut and dry, I would believe. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, God bless these developers. I think that they are going through so much right now, and, and it's not their fault that they have to go through all this crunch stuff. Um, but, you know, hopefully none of these death threats actually work, and when they do eventually pass, they get halos for infinity <laughs> amount of time. Speaking of Halo Infinite, haha. <laughs> <laughs> What happened with Halo Infinite? One of the leads of the production of the game stepped down. So here's a little timeline for you. Microsoft announces Halo Infinite and at some point says that it's going to launch with the Xbox Series X. And then obviously it would have launched with the Xbox Series S as well. They do their COVID kind of E3 showcase where they show off, I think it was an eight-minute gameplay trailer of Halo Infinite. People don't like it. Uh, a few weeks later, Halo Infinite gets delayed. Now, uh, even a few more months after that, Chris Lee, who, while he still remains a Microsoft employee, is no longer overseeing production on Halo Infinite uh, for 343. They brought in Joseph Staten, who's actually um, an alumni of Bungie. He was the director of their cinematics for the Halo series. He would write the scripts and dialogue and all that fun stuff. And I think he even wrote one of the novels. So they're bringing in Bungie alumni to kind of help finish Halo Infinite. I think he's the campaign supervisor is his title or something like that. But the interesting thing is that he has been in that role since like two weeks after they delayed the game and Chris Lee's just kind of taken a back seat. So it sounds like he's been technically off the project for a while, but now it's just kind of official. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? My fellow <laughs> Halo super fans. Well, as a fellow Halo super fan, I agree with every opinion that Jordan has. <laughs> um, Steven, your thoughts? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think Jordan is very correct about the Halo. And I think 434 Studios <laughs> needs a man like uh, Christopher Lee, famed actor at the helm. <laughs> um, 
okay, so my I believe that was what you said. So my opinion is that um So my opinion is that I grew up playing the original Halo trilogy from Bungie. But you don't know. That's just an opinion. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm not quite sure if that was a fever dream or not. Um, uh, no, I I unashamedly love the original Halo games. And I think uh, no matter what your opinion on the franchise is now, you can't deny that it did change gaming. Um, at least that original Halo Combat Evolved did. Um, I played Halo 4. I liked it. It wasn't great, but I liked it. I played a little bit of Halo 5 when I had Game Pass, and I eventually just never got back into it. So aside from the Master Chief Collection, I haven't been super impressed with 343. So to see that they're bringing in such a key player and lore master from Bungie's days kind of gives me hope for Halo Infinite, actually. I couldn't even tell you what the story of 343's Halo is is beyond Halo 4 just because I haven't kept up with it because I just I stopped caring. But hopefully Joseph Staten is able to take whatever 343's done and either give it that same treatment that he gave the original Halo trilogy to kind of make that better or mm-hmm. even maybe link it in together uh, because they're back on a Halo in Halo Infinite. They are back on one of the Halos uh you guys know what Halos are, right? Is, is is that the subtitle? Halo. They're back on a Halo. No, no. You guys know what the what the Halos are, right? Like you're not that out of the Halo loop. Six. Back under Halo. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm an idiot. Go ahead. I, I actually don't. Oh, so the Halos were super weapons uh, that were designed to commit mass murder, basically like extinction level events. Um, and they also had the entire climates on their surfaces. And I don't. I guess I have no proof. So I know for sure Halo 4 didn't have any Halos. And I, I guess I can't speak to Halo 5. I'm assuming it didn't, but they might have. Um, but Halo Infinite, it has been confirmed. Like, yeah, uh, Halos are back. The namesake of the franchise is is returning. So that's kind of interesting alone right there. Like, because the whole, part of the whole plot of Halo 3 was the UNSC was thought to have destroyed all the Halos through the course of that game through the Ark, uh, which is another super weapon in space. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting that there's at least one left. That was probably an- revealed in Halo 5, the game I didn't play, more than likely. So is this like the Death Star returning to Star Wars, basically? Uh, essentially. Essentially, it's like when uh, it's like when the Force Awakens came out, and they're like, "Yeah, we've got Star Killer Base." Oh, what's Star Killer Base? Oh, it's the Death Star. It's like that. It's a really big. Ex- Death it's like Star. that, except it would have been, "Oh, we've got the Death Star." Like what? We blew that up, and they're like, "Yup, you sure did." <laughs> I'm sure there's a story reason for it, either that I just don't know yet, or that will be revealed through the course of the game. Because there's really no plot details known about uh, Halo Infinite right now. It's mostly just what we've seen from the gameplay and the promise of a more open-world type campaign. But it will still have a linear story that you can follow. Because when I think Halo, I think open-world campaign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That does sound a little... I mean, uh, well, I don't want to come down on them for trying new things. I mean, but if they haven't been able to capture the original Halo fans, it is a little odd to see them try and shake up the formula again, you know? Like, you think they would want to kind of reassure the diehards that, like, we understand Halo, we can do a traditional linear Halo story before then they say, let's change it up, let's make it open world, let's do such and such. Right, right? absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, has there been um, much reaction, to, much fan reaction to like the, I don't think there hasn't been a demo or a beta or anything. Yeah, yet, no, think, no demo like, or beta that's been released yet. Just that eight minute gameplay trailer, which I'm sure you saw. People were not, at least on GBA Temp, people were not thrilled with that what was it specifically were they like actively against things or did it just look like more of the I same think a, box a lot or? of what i saw were people complaining that it didn't really look next gen which that's kind of a hard judgment to make i thought it looked fine mm. but i'm also not the biggest critic of visuals in games i don't need the 100 percent best visuals ever you know as long as the game's fun i'm pretty okay with it gameplay over graphics yeah, I saw a lot of complaints about graphics. Um, I think there might have been some gameplay complaints too, but I'd have to dig up the showcase live reaction thread from GBA Temp to see for sure, which I really don't yeah. want to dig up. <laughs> <laughs> there's also there's been a lot of people leaving 343, or at least leaving that project, isn't it? Because the so I, you might have mentioned this, I can't remember. 
I wasn't listening. Uh, Tim Longo. <laughs> I did not mention that. I pretty much just kind of recapped the Chris Lee event in as best I could. <laughs> yeah, Tim Longo left in August 2019. He was uh, the creative director. Okay. Whereas Chris Lee was, what was he, just the project director? Yeah, I think he was the project director, supervisor, one of those things. Yeah, and... Um, then one of the executive producers, Mary Olson, moved to the role of lead producer of the campaign team. Because I believe that's another thing. People are There's rumors that they're going to be releasing the campaign and the multiplayer separately, almost like Call of Duty has recently. Yeah. Is that... I've, I've heard of that rumor. I guess I haven't heard one way or the other if it's going to be for sure or not. But I did definitely hear that rumor. And honestly, I think that'd be kind of smart, if I'm being honest, especially with the success that Warzone has had. I'd hope yeah. that... Halo Infinite multiplayer wouldn't take up 90 gigabytes of storage on my hard drive. But, I mean, yeah, if you could play Halo's multiplayer for free, uh, and then you're just essentially paying for the campaign and maybe some extra cosmetic-type stuff that you can get for multiplayer only if you played the campaign, I guess it'd have to be a hell of a campaign to justify $60 for that, but I think it would be a good call. Well, the rumor I read was that they were releasing them separately, not necessarily that it would be free to play. Like they might, it might be two separate releases at thirty each or thirty-five, maybe. I guess where seventy is looking like the new price now. I don't right. know. Right, could also be a full price game, and then they just put the multiplayer on later, like uh, Rockstar did with GTA Five. Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, it could be that, I guess. Yeah, I would be really surprised to see them do that because, you know, the multiplayer for Halo is such a bigger part of it is than for GTA. Oh, absolutely. But you're right, that could be where they're going. Well, I mean, you say that, but GTA Five multiplayer is Rockstar's big moneymaker lately, so... Yeah, you're right. They're, in fact, I think... I don't know, is there even plans for GTA Six right now, or are they just pumping out GTA Five content for online because it makes the money? Uh, there's no GTA 6. There is a third version of GTA 5 yep, coming. Yeah, <laughs> I did see that, that it's going to be coming to the next-gen yeah. <laughs> consoles, which is just, at this point, why? GTA 5 is becoming Resident Evil 4 in Skyrim. It was so ballsy. I can't wait to play it on a calculator. <laughs> for, right, for when the PS5 was basically revealed in, their, in the first game that they show, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> Rockstar, yeah, yeah! Oh. Yeah, you're like, oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> that, that was an odd choice. Oh. <laughs> it was just so, that made me so mad, but then I just started cracking up. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's really? funny. Like, it's just, they're, yeah. Um, I was going to say, I, we, we got a little sidetracked earlier. Um, let's go back to Cyberpunk. No, sorry. Uh, Tim, Tim Longo, <laughs> the creative director, left in August 2019, and executive producer Mary Olson moved to lead producer on the campaign team, and then she left in October of 2019. And after the creative director left, 343 released a statement saying that the overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, studio head of Halo Infinite. Not anymore. And then after that, <laughs> not anymore. And then and that was only in August of 2019. And then after that producer left, Mary Olson, the community manager released a statement saying there is no creative dilemma inside the studio and there's no writing on the walls, which I, I mean, it doesn't sound like he was explicitly asked that I can... It was on a Reddit post. I'll double check exactly. But like, no, like I'm looking at his post here. He was not asked like, hey, is there a lot of turmoil in there? He just posted it on the Reddit thread about them leaving and was like, no, don't worry, guys. There's no internal turmoil here. Which is kind of a weird thing to bring up out of nowhere. Am I wrong? That, like, that's pretty suspect to just say it out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I guess, you know, people are going to assume that after a few people leave right in a row. But it is... And, and on top of like the you know lukewarm at best fan reaction, I, I I guess I get it, but it's it still is hard not to just think that he's thinking about all the internal turmoil and you know the dilemmas when he just goes out and he's like no 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 don't worry everything's cool right yeah so we'll see how Halo Infinite goes it still doesn't have a release date it's just 2021 yep, yep and that's something I was gonna bring up too is like it's it's still just kind of in limbo right now at least if they're gonna delay their game they're doing it while it's in limbo and not while it's gold <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so i'm still yeah. anticipating halo infinite i think i i was pleased with what i saw i didn't see it and think like oh my god this is gonna resurrect halo but i'm like yeah that looks fun can't wait to play it i wish that they were a little more uh direct with the actual release date but just a little like nintendo Nintendo is pretty direct, but in a little way. Hey, have you guys seen the recent Nintendo Direct Mini? Ah! 
Was that one of you, or was that the dog that went? Ah! <laughs> I'm always so proud of myself with these. With this, I imagine you doing finger guns every single time you do. You finish a segue. I'm like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, Nintendo did a direct mini this month in October. They re revealed some pretty cool stuff. It was one of their partner showcases, so it's all third party, nothing from Nintendo directly. So it was more like Nintendo indirect mini. Hey, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so funny. So yeah. Dude, you're on fire today. So this direct actually did showcase a lot of cool, you know, games, third party games, uh, such as the No More Heroes Switch ports, which is pretty cool. And Story of Seasons actually looks really fun to me. Uh, I don't know what you guys feel about it. What else did they have? Bravely Default 2? Well, I, let's, talk, let's uh, talk about them as we go through instead of listening. Oh, okay. Do yeah, you guys, yeah. Do you guys have much experience with Story of Seasons? Well, for anyone who doesn't know, Story of Seasons is essentially Harvest Moon, uh, which was big on the Super Nintendo N64 GBA and DS. I don't 100% know the details, but there's some licensing issue where the people that localized it into America changed the name from Story of Seasons to Harvest Moon, and then a different company got the license to start importing those games from Japan, but they don't have license to the Harvest Moon name, so now they call them Story of Seasons, but it is the same series. Like a lot of things, I played a lot of Harvest Moon when I was younger. Um, it's been a long time since I played any of them. I've been wanting to pick up the Friends of Mineral Town remake on the Switch, because that just looks really fun to me, so kind of in the same boat, yeah, this... Uh, What's this one called again? Uh, Pioneers of Olive Town. Uh, it, it looked fun. Definitely interesting. It looks cool. You know, uh, it kind of sucks because I feel like uh, Stardew Valley has kind of taken over the farming sim market. So it kind of is unfairly getting compared to basically every farming sim that comes out now, even if it's a remake of an older Harvest Moon game like Friends of Mineral Town was. And I kind of caught myself doing that too with both of these games. Is like, oh, but Stardew does this. And then I just have to remind myself, no, this is what you played as a kid, not what you played as an adult. Yeah, but this isn't a remake. This is a new one. And I mean, I don't know, at the end of the well, day, exactly. yeah, if Stardew was offering the better product, I mean, I think, you know, that's just, that's the spirit of competition. You yeah. know, uh, is it Natsume, I think? I'm not sure who makes these, uh, should have to step up and... Yeah, no, the legacy you know. does not mean that you're going to forever be forgiven or given a pass just because you have the name recognition of the past. You know, someone came around and made a better product. You should have to step up your game to that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also Rune Factory that competes in this space. And Rune Factory has a lot more combat and RPG elements, but... I've never played a Rune Factory game. I've been told I should play a lot of them, but I just, I never really got into it. Yeah, me neither. They, I mean, I don't know. They seem cute. I like them, but uh, I don't know. I just like the straightforward farming stuff a lot more. But it's a, like, Stardew was kind of made because that genre was, like, not exactly dying, but it wasn't thriving. Right. And now, all of a sudden, it seems like there are a decent amount of uh, Japanese farming games just coming out of nowhere, which is I probably prompted by the success of Stardew, I guess, that it kind of reinvented or it revived the genre it was meant to be, like, a throwback to. Absolutely. Uh, my favorite Harvest Moon game was A Wonderful Life on uh, GameCube. So that's the port I've been holding out for, just because I don't want to go recollect all of my GameCube stuff to play it. So, come on. Mm. Put out Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life, or Return to Forget-Me-Not Valley, or whatever you want to call it. That's the one I want to play. Oh my god, that was what it was called. I played the hell out of that game as a kid. I never would have remembered it. was called Forget-Me-Not Valley. I never would have remembered that. You forgot Forget-Me-Not Valley? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Did you play it to the end? Because the whole point of it is that, you know, oh, it's a wonderful life. It it goes through your farmer's life and your wife and child as you all grow up. Did you ever get to the end of that game? I know. I'm going to assume you die yeah, at the end, Yeah, you, you die. Straight up That's death sweet. in a Harvest Moon game. Caught me off guard. <laughs> That's like six feet under stuff <laughs> ending there. Unlike Stardew, where you can get to like year 100 and everyone's just this, their same immortal, ageless forms. So there's also No More Heroes that Eric mentioned. Uh, have you guys played any of the No More Heroes games? I have not, but I've always been interested. So now that they're on the Switch and very convenient for me to play, I probably will. Yeah, I heard really great things about them. I it, it's it's in my backlog. Let's just say that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I've always really wanted to play them, and I, I just never got around to it. So, uh, so we're really briefly, qualified no More to Heroes talk one about this is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so we won't talk about this one much. Yeah, No More Heroes one and two are coming to the Switch. Uh, well, they released the day of this direct, so that was a couple days ago. No More Heroes three is slated for 2021. I don't know if that had been stated before. That's also a Switch exclusive. What else do they talk about? Uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is getting a demo that also released on the day of this Direct, so that's out there. We've spoken about that in the past. That's not something that 
any of us know a ton about. Yeah, um, I've got no interest in the Hyrule Warriors uh, series. I, I like Zelda, but I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I, li- I like the Dynasty Warriors types of games, like, you know, Dynasty Warriors. I did play the, the first Hyrule Warriors for a little bit. It was pretty fun. And then I played Pirate Warriors 3, the One Piece game. They're, they're, they're very... They're fun, but it's it's sort of mindless fun that gets really repetitive really quickly. But it's just if you just want to slay tons of monsters without really trying, that that's what you want to do to get that dopamine straight into your veins. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> Give me the dopamine. <laughs> they do seem fun, but like you were saying, where it's a little mindless, I think you you would have to rely a lot more on the setting and the you know the characters and the visuals and the style and all that. And Zelda is just one that I'm not close enough to for it to appeal to me but I, I can see why a lot of people like it it seems like a smart idea yeah i'm just i'm one of those assholes who likes zelda for the exploration aspect of the game and not for the deep lore Can't stand people like that there's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. a throwback to that one time cast i think it might have been episode two or three where i just went on a tangential rant for like 10 minutes about the zelda timeline <laughs> uh that was when this episode that was when this game was announced uh yeah that was, that was yeah. probably four or five i think yeah <laughs> yeah eric can have all the lore i just want an epic adventure that i can explore yeah yeah I, I, I want that, too. <laughs> um, so they also talked about Bravely Default 2. Uh, you know, it was coming for the Switch. Um, have you guys ever played Bravely Default? Uh, nope. I have not, no. I, again, it's another one that I like the idea of. It's uh, a throwback to the very traditional JRPGs that Square Enix did in the early Nintendo days on the NES and Super NES. And something that they kind of stopped doing. And Nintendo had to, like, convince them to make Bravely Default 1. And they had to publish it. And then... Square Enix was very surprised when it did well for them, so I'm glad to see that they're sticking with it. I do like that kind of game, but it doesn't, I don't know, not enough to be able to get into the whole series right now. They're just such a big time commitment. Have you played it? I did. I did. I played the first Bravely Default uh, a couple years ago, like like when it came out. I played it for, I, I played it on my 3DS, and um, it was fun. It was also very long, and I actually, so you know how like big RPGs, they love to have false endings? <laughs> Um, I got to the false ending, and then I was like, uh, I gotta keep going. I It was one of those things where, so I played it, I loved it, and then I stopped halfway through because I was, then I got bored. Because, I mean, not to be too specific, but after the false ending, you basically gotta redo everything that you did oh, up to that, that point. So it's like, yeah. eh. I hate that. You're gonna make me redo everything? No, 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 no. Not gonna happen, fam. But, it was, it, it was pretty fun, and and I feel like I should go back to it at some point just because I don't like not finishing games. But, hey, it was on a Nintendo console, so there were no trophies or achievements <laughs> for me to get. So, <laughs> so I had no reason to keep going through the end. Speaking of uh, Nintendo consoles, I think the big surprise of the Direct is that Hitman is coming to the Switch. Hitman 3. Yes, yes, sir. Hitman That's 3. insane to me that a Hitman game is going to be on a Nintendo console. Well, specifically what's really interesting about this one is that it's a cloud version. Right. So what's happening essentially is you need to stream the game from, I don't know where exactly, someone, some server somewhere, and it'll play depending on how, well, how, on how good your internet connection is because the Switch just can't run Hitman. Uh, control the game by, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who makes that. Um, doesn't matter. Yeah, but uh, so Control and Hitman are both getting cloud versions because those are games that just can't run on a Switch natively. I still think that's really cool that that, that they're doing that. Oh, definitely. You know, so that yeah, you can play games that the Switch can't play by itself by streaming them. I mean, see, I say that like, oh, guys, Google Stadia is so freaking cool. But you know, yeah, it's like, but you're not gonna. I don't know. I I think it's cool that this is an option if you have the well, internet. Dave Bowser is not going on Twitter telling Twitch streamers they should be paying them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dave yeah. Bowser would be weird if he did it because he's not. Uh, are you thinking of Doug Bowser? <laughs> Doug Bowser, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Dave Bowser is the other Doug Bowser's alcoholic cousin that lives down by the docks. <laughs> I knew it was D-Name Bowser, okay? Give me that much credit. Yeah, it certainly wasn't Gary Bowser. He doesn't have access to Twitter anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Bowser doesn't have access to the outside world anymore. Yeah, he has been telling the other inmates to not <laughs> stream games without paying the developers. To not stream games without without paying SXOS. Wait, no, no. Gary Bowser... <laughs> 
<laughs> Gary Bowser's just like, you're not allowed to play games unless you pay me. <laughs> so the cloud versions of these games, it does feel a little antithetical to the Switch, I guess, in that it, it would be hard to take them portably, I guess, you know? But uh, pretty impossible unless you're tethering Wi-Fi from like your mobile phone. Yeah, and I mean, I doubt that would provide a stable enough internet connection. Definitely not. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's better than nothing. So I don't necessarily want to come down on that. Um, but there's two things I want to point out. Well, there's one big one. Um, but I'll say first, it isn't. I I don't know how easy it's going to be to get a solid internet connection with this because the Switch dock doesn't have an Ethernet port on it. You can buy USB Ethernet adapters, but I don't know it's it's a real, like, screw around <laughs> to get this working, it seems like, right? You know, I don't really go online with my Switch. I never realized it doesn't have an Ethernet port. No, there's no, no Ethernet port. There's two USBs on the side, and that's it. That's that's crazy. Well, and an extra USB on the back and the HDMI and AC, but yeah, there's no uh, no right. Ethernet anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and like I said, you can buy USB Ethernet adapters, but, like, Again, that's it. It just such a weird little screw around you have to go through. But it is worth pointing out, uh, and I think this is cool. It, if you look on the trailer for these games, there's a little disclaimer at one point where basically you have to download a launcher app for free, and that will test your internet connection to make sure it's stable enough to be able to play the game before you're allowed to purchase it. Well, that's polite of it. It's nice. I mean, yeah, it is good to try and prevent people from wasting their money, and I'm sure they're doing it to save themselves so they don't want the bad PR. They don't want to have to deal with refund requests and all this. But I mean. It's good. Right. So what I'm what I'm hearing here is Agent 47 for Smash. That would be exciting. <laughs> that would be something else. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be. I would love it. Yeah. Uh, so you seemed really surprised that Hitman was coming to a Nintendo console. Does, does the Switch still have that reputation as being like a really kid-friendly thing that these types of games don't go to? I mean, like... You know, not kid-friendly necessarily, but I've always seen the Switch as the family console. Right. Like, and everything on here isn't necessarily going to be just for kids. It's not a like a kid's toy or anything, but it's stuff that you can play that's family friendly. So to see, I guess, uh, isn't No More Heroes not really family friendly? Maybe I'm contradicting myself right it's, there. That's actually but... the one I was going to bring up. There's a mini game in the original No More Heroes where you have to shake the Wiimote up and down like you're jacking off. <laughs> so like... okay, well, yeah. uh, I'm I'm contradicting myself then but that doesn't change how i perceive things and i've always perceived the switch as a very family-friendly game console with a few outliers like no more heroes or the witcher 3 on there uh bayonetta so a few outliers but pretty primarily family-friendly games so to see hitman kind of hit the system that definitely shocked me yeah, it's uh, that's interesting because I don't know. Th- uh, yeah, I, I've never really had that perception of the Switch. I think I would have on the older ones, but it seems like Nintendo's embracing that stuff more and more. Like when I see it in when I see mature stuff in a Nintendo published game, like when Bayonetta was taken up by Nintendo, or even when she appeared in Smash, I was surprised by stuff like that. But just having it on the Switch, I, I feel like there's got to be a good few uh, mature games out there. But like, I mean, even like Bioshock that's is fair. on the Switch, and you know, stuff like that. Well, and I mean. You know, going back, the, like going back, Resident Evil Four started as a GameCube exclusive, so that so embracing mature games is definitely nothing new for Nintendo. It's just a thing that's always been in my mind is just Nintendo equals fun for the whole family. Yeah, exactly. When you mention Resident Evil, that reminded me of something that I was looking up earlier. Resident Evil Seven was released on the Switch in Japan as a cloud version back in 2018, not long after it first came out. I didn't hear about this at all. So you so in Japan. You can play Resident Evil 7 on your Switch. Yeah, but only through the cloud service. Uh, through the yeah, cloud. But, so this has existed for a while. It was, uh, I'm looking at an IGN article here from the 8th of June, 2018. Yeah, so it essentially works the same way that Control and Hitman are. And the reason I looked up this IGN article is to see generally, like, is it considered to work well? Is it reliable? And this guy says his home connection delivers around 30 to 40 uh, megabits per second. And he says it works well enough. Like, there's minor lag here or there. You might, you'll notice it, but it's not really going to affect your play. Now, I don't know how realistic those kind of speeds are for a lot of people. I, I, I don't know much about this stuff, to be honest. I couldn't even tell you what download speed I have right now. But, like, <laughs> it, it's somewhat reassuring to hear that this has been in development for a little while. Which, or uh, in Japan, sorry. And, like, it does seem to be somewhat reliable. I want to know now, can you play Resident Evil 7 on the Switch with the Labo VR kit and get Resident <laughs> Evil VR this way? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's also... That'd be something. There was a 
there are rumors that Resident Evil 3 Remake is going to be coming to the Switch uh, as a cloud version as well. There was some leak that associated that had like a cloud Switch logo on it or something, but uh, nothing's confirmed gotcha. for that yet. But that would be interesting. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. That'd be really cool. I would be into it. I mean, uh, it's it's an interesting thing for them to keep pursuing, but this cloud version is never really going to be the ideal way to play the game because everyone that you know because the reason to get something on the switch over any other system is for the portability and you lose that with these cloud versions so right really the only people that are going to be getting it are people that only have a switch and nothing else because control and you know hitman resident evil all these things are on other systems and i don't know that that audience that's going to be putting up with streaming games and that's going to have an interest in resident evil 3 remake is the audience that only has a switch and nothing else (laughs) well if you're in that niche Good news for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I'm very interested to hear if this performs well for them. If they, if this is a, uh, I mean, I guess it has to be to some extent for them to be bringing it over to the West after doing it in Japan for so long. But oh, definitely yeah. makes me wonder if they're gonna like do a cloud version of something like The Witcher Three that is noticeably downgraded on the Switch, so that you can get a full Witcher Three experience on your Switch. I wonder if they'll do a cloud version of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Hey! <laughs> Thank you. That took a little while. Uh, so there's one other quick game I want to talk about. It's not a big game at all, but I thought it was really adorable when I watched the direct. It's called Part-Time UFO. Did either of you guys watch the trailer for this? No, but the name alone makes me want to hear more. <laughs> so it's from Hal, the guys that make Kirby. Okay. It's, again, that same similar kind of like very cute cartoon art style. And you're a little tiny UFO, and you have a little like uh, claw that goes down, that like descends from the bottom, almost like in a uh, crane game or something. And you have to fly around and perform menial tasks and part-time jobs to uh, make money. So you'll like say there's one where like there's a bunch of cheerleaders and you need to pick them up and make a human pyramid and stack them on top of each other. (laughs) And like the better you do stacking them, the more money you get and the better your (laughs) performance is. That's basically all it is, but it looks freaking adorable. Like I love it. That sounds amazing. I want to play this. It's, uh, It's got a co-op mode so you can play together. It's got like an endless mode. It has challenges. It's. It looks very simple. These are the guys. They also made Box Boy on the 3DS, and there's one of those on the Switch. It, this looks very much in the vein of Box Boy. Just very simple, adorable art style. A bunch of little puzzles thrown at you. It takes one or two small mechanics and just twists them and turns them and sort of just wrings everything out of them that it can. I love Box Boy, and this kind of looks like a continuation of that in a different with a different type of core mechanic for the puzzles. So that looks really cute and awesome, and uh, I think everyone should get that. Even though I haven't played it myself, oh, I'm <laughs> definitely, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, it's worth looking. Uh, look up the trailer for Part Time UFO. Well, guys, this has been fun. Uh, I hope the audience is still with us. Alan John, in addition to doing a lot of the production work on the podcast, is also kind of like the podcast parent who keeps us children in line. So this kind of got off rails, but I hope if you're still here that you've enjoyed the No Parents edition of the Tempcast, and uh, we'll see you soon. We miss you, Dad. I'm home.